On my short list of worst personal moments, three of them involved breakups with partners and three of them were breakups with family members. Basically, the lowest points in my life all involve losing people I love. Those were the times when life brought me to my knees, which is a big statement for me to make. I'm Dr. Darcy Sterling. I'm a licensed therapist in New York City, and for more than 25 years, I've been teaching people relationship skills so they can thrive in all their relationships. I'm the host of E-Network's Famously Single. I'm the former global ambassador to Tinder, and now I'm bringing my expert advice to you in a new podcast called We Need to Talk with Dr. Darcy Sterling. We Need to Talk is a dating and relationship show that will inspire and empower you with tools and skills that you need to love better so you can live better. So let's test that promise and let's go to today's story. There's a reason why I picked the topic of breakups for the first show. Most of us have felt the pain that comes from romantic breakup. Emotionally, it can be one of the most difficult things we ever experience. And for a lot of people, it's the first brush they have with loss. And since we don't teach emotional intelligence in school, people have no idea how to cope with it. To understand why breaking up makes us feel like an organ is literally being ripped from our body, let's review the science. So as primates, we spend our earliest years dependent on caregivers for our survival. When we lose someone important to us, the fear networks in our brain become activated, which makes us feel like our survival is literally being threatened, which means we are biologically hardwired to have an extreme response to breakups. But then it gets a little more complicated because we know that not everybody is gutted to the same extent by a breakup. What determines how hard we'll take it is the meaning we assign to the breakup, which depends on our unique attachment style. So attachment theory is a psychological framework that posits that the way we bond to our primary caregivers sets the groundwork for how we'll relate to people for the rest of our lives. It goes like this. We learn how to love and how to get our needs met through the care we received by our primary caregivers. The extent to which they fulfilled our needs creates a template that informs how we act in our closest adult relationships. And we call that template our attachment style. If you hit the childhood lottery, you will leave childhood with what is called a secure attachment style. People with this attachment style had caregivers who did a good enough job meeting their needs. As a result, they enter relationships from a place of trusting that their needs are going to be met without overly relying on their partner for all of their happiness. These people are comfortable expressing love and affection. They're also able to set boundaries, can ask directly for help when they need it, and they're able to offer help and support when they're asked for it. They're comfortable when they're around other people, and they're also comfortable when they're alone. They can tolerate rejection and move on, and they're also able to end unhappy relationships. On the other end of the spectrum, what you've got is people with an anxious attachment style, and these people will have a harder time getting through a breakup. And that is because they tend to overvalue and idealize being part of a couple. So when they lose a relationship, it impacts their not only their identity, but their self-esteem. The way people with this attachment style naturally cope with distress is through the company of others. And a breakup involves losing their primary attachment figure, which means 
their coping strategy is gone. People with an anxious attachment style also tend to be hypersensitive to acceptance and to rejection. Essentially, a breakup is their worst nightmare. So what do you do when a first love breakup meets a betrayal breakup and a blindside breakup? Here to discuss surviving the hat trick of breakups is today's guest. Now, what makes her story particularly interesting is that we actually experienced her breakup together because she is my niece. And one day this summer, I woke up from a text from her that read, I am in a crisis. Are you awake? Now, some background about this niece. She is not prone to dramatics. I mean, she lives an interesting life in New York City as a 27-year-old publicist, and she definitely knows how to tell a pretty compelling story. But for the most part, her relationships, they are not dramatic. She's had the same two best friends since middle school. One of them I adopted, more on that in a future episode. And she spent a lot of time with me and my wife, who is also a therapist. We have logged a lot of hours together which means she's had more exposure to therapy talk and emotional intelligence speak than most people triple her age. So when I woke up to her alarming text that Friday, I immediately knew something was very, very wrong. And here to tell that story is my niece, Ashton Tardif. Ashton, what happened that morning? Yeah, so um, I woke up regular Friday morning, um, getting ready for work. My boyfriend had just left for work, kissed me, said goodbye, you know, the normal routine. And my phone had been on Do Not Disturb. So I pick it up and I'm scrolling through my notifications and I see a um, DM request. Um, And there were two images that were blurred out because for Instagram does that, as we know, we receive those messages from people we don't follow. And the following words, um, do with these what you will. Okay, ominous. What could this be? I um, decide to click on them. And what I see is essentially what the internet has dubbed being hey girl, which is, if you know what that means and are chronically online, is horrific. If you don't know what that means, um, you're about to find out. What I saw next were essentially DMs between this anonymous girl and my boyfriend. Um, dating months back up until two months ago from the time that this happened, essentially proving that they had been hooking up and in some type of relationship. So what do you do with that? Um, the fir- My first reaction was purely physical in the sense that I literally felt my stomach drop to my bowels. Ugh. The blood left my body there was a ringing in my ear. Like it was a wave of absolute shock. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just rereading and reading, trying to make sense of it. And my first emotional reaction was there is no way that this can be real. Because mm-hmm. that's we- my head would have gone. I immediately would have thought it was bullshit. And I Absolutely. remember when you told me on the phone, I was thinking to myself, She needs to fact check this. And then it turned out you had. Yeah. What did you do? Yeah. So I immediately screenshotted them and I didn't really even question my next move because it just felt like a natural thing to do because I was so in that moment convinced that it could not be real. 
we were about to move in together. We, we were, we were good. You know, as far as I knew, um, we had just spent five days with his family, you know, like we, there, there was nothing in my mind that could rationalize this being true. I immediately screenshotted the messages and I sent them to him. I texted them Mm -hmm. to him. He had probably just gotten to work, you know, in the office. And my message was, what the fuck is this? Because what else do you say? Honestly. Now that I had done that, I was then faced with, it's all started to kind of like come crashing down on me the longer the seconds pass. When you're in this moment of crisis that I had actually never been in before, I had to really stop and think, I'm like, who do I, who do I call? We all why was it why was that such a hard question? Why was that even a question in your mind? Um, there were there were two things in my mind that I was tossing back and forth. And the first one was who is available at 9, 10 a.m. on Friday morning on a work day mm-hmm. to to handle this crisis with me? And who do I who can bring me a level of understanding and comfort? that I need, but I didn't even know really what I needed. You know, it's, it, it was complex. When does he get back to you? How long do you sit there waiting for him to get back to you? Almost, I would say almost immediately. I realized that I needed, I needed, I needed you. It was just like, oh my God, like this is above me. Like I, I'm not equipped to handle this. I also then in my mind, Remember, it is a work day. I'm expected to be working right now. I actually have a client meeting on Zoom in an hour. Oh my God. I pause. I pause myself and I text my boss and I say, I need to take a sick day. I'm so sorry. Because that's just, it's what it is. And there was no questioning. Like that was fine, whatever. And I texted you the text that um, you know and said. And thank God above you, you were available I mean, this moment, it's actually amazing. I was even awake at that hour because as we both know, I'm hitting snooze till 10 30, 11 most days, because mm-hmm. I don't know, I can't get on an adult schedule still, but nonetheless, I saw that text and I immediately called you. I was like this, I'm not going to give myself carpal tunnel trying to communicate with her on texting. You didn't even want to, you were like, can I call you? And I was like, I'm going to call you first. And I got on the phone with you and you had already heard from him and he had confirmed it. So do you remember that? I do. Um, Granted, in this heightened moment of like emotions, like I remember the sentiments of the text messages, not word for word, but I do remember the initial text after sending the screenshots and they were along the lines of, can we talk about this? Um, so no denial, not, no denial no. whatsoever, which had to feel like a, a knife to your gut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause you kind of don't want to be validated in those moments. You want to hear that this is a crazy person who's doing something outlandish. You don't want to hear a confession, right? Right. I actually didn't know what I was looking for. <laughs> I've never experienced such a flurry of emotions in a crisis like like that. So unexpected, so full body. 
I had never been through something like that. I'm I'm very usually able to keep myself emotionally regulated yeah. and zoom out of a situation and try to understand the bigger picture. Yep. I felt like I was in a nightmare. Like I felt like at any moment I was going to wake up and none of this was real, which I felt for a very long time after. Um, so he he was like, can we please talk about this? Ashton, um, it's not what you think it is. Um, it was. Um, you it was know, worse. It's it, it, worse. it actually because was. You and, I, you and I got on the phone and I was like, you need to communicate with this girl. And get as much information from her while she's willing to talk to you and be respectful and be nice to her. Because, you know, as like society, the way we're we're socialized, it's like we always go at each other. We go after the woman. And mm -hmm. I'm like, no, this this person is is doing you a solid. And and she's not like she wasn't acting outlandish or anything. And no. I was so impressed with how both of you. I, I actually wish we could meet her. I was so impressed with the way the two of you communicated with each other and how you were both respectful and pretty kind to each other and nothing ever went off the rails. But you wound up getting a lot, a lot of our collective questions answered mm -hmm. before you even met the boyfriend. Now the yes. ex-boyfriend. Which I'm so grateful that you actually coached me through that because I then, I, I think I, I on the phone with you, I asked you, I'm like, do I respond to her? Like, there is no guidebook on this situation. Like, what do you do when you wake up from a DM with a DM from a strange girl who says she's been sleeping with your partner, who you're about to move in with? Yeah. And that is the encapsulation of being hey girls. Um, so, and I also had so many questions, like so many, the, the betrayal and hurt and shock aside, my mind started spinning. How long had this been going on? And it turns out, how long had it been going on? She said that they had been together since when? Jan January. And it was July. Which... It was in July. It was in July. Okay. Um, so it was the... a situationship. They were, it wasn't a one-time mistake. It was mm -hmm. a, there was a repeated offense. Yeah, it was a choice. I... Um, that to me was the most hurtful part of this whole experience. Cheating in general is always harmful and traumatic. It was the fact that it was a continuous choice on his end that really just stabbed me in the heart. Um, she wound up so telling you that that she had she didn't even know that she didn't know about you. Like mm -hmm. she, she discovered you when she was in New. Okay, so let's back up and say this woman lives in Miami. Correct. The ex boyfriend, the boyfriend at the time, had been traveling a lot for work, mm -hmm. and yes. he met her while he was traveling for work. Mm -hmm. And so, she it turns out she learned about you when she was in New York visiting him. He had flown her out. Yes. Um. Which, honestly, it's like that it's like too. The knife. The knife just literally when they say they that was a twist of the knife. Literally, like you think it can't get worse. It's like boom. There's there's been infidelity. Boom. It wasn't a one time thing. Boom. It happened repeatedly. 
boom, he flew her to New York. Yeah. If she did was the knife, that was the machete. Like I, I was at a loss. I was at a loss. And, you know, I asked her the question that, that you helped me come to like what we needed to know from her. And it was a, like, were you under the impression that you were in a relationship? Mm -hmm. B, when did you meet him? And I think those were the only two questions that I asked her and she answered them, um, Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty, um, bluntly. Um, essentially she said, you know, whatever you want to call a relationship, meaning that he would see me when he was in Miami, Mm -hmm. we would have unprotected sex, um, which I didn't really need to know that part. Well, maybe I did. Um, well, yeah, for health reasons. Yeah. Um, we would go out together and he flew me to New York. And that's um, how I learned about you. Yes. Oh. Um, and she said we met in, in January. So I was like, got it, got it. And part of me wanted to ask more questions and other part of me was like, no. She said that it was over by then, right? Yes, yes. So I also was just like questioning, like, what was her, um, why now? Why two months? Allegedly it ended in May when she was here. Um, why now? I don't know the answer. And when I asked him about it, he didn't have the answer or he didn't disclose it to me. Um, and at that point I chose to exit the conversation and I just said, you know what? Thank you so much. I'm very grateful. And she said to me, you're welcome. I'm sorry. I didn't tell you sooner. And that was the last interaction with her. I got to tell you, man, that, you know, he knows how to pick good quality people. Obviously, (laughs) he really does. He knows how to pick quality people. He does. And I will say, because a lot of people have asked me this question, they're like, are you ever curious to like know who she actually is, to know what she looks like, to know anything more about her than besides the fact that she lives in Miami? And my question has absolutely always been and always will be no. Um, You're like, I have enough I, trauma. No, and it, it's true. And like, I don't Real. need to know. It doesn't mm-hmm. change anything. And as a woman, I I just, I know that cheating is not about me. It's not my fault. It is, it's all on him and a reflection of him. Nothing about finding out additional information about her would help me. I was Maybe so he, proud of you for, there, listen, when somebody finds out, some, when when a landmine like this ex- explodes, there are a lot of opportunities to make mistakes in the information that you gather. The thing is, you never get rid of that information. That's going to stay with you forever. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I, and I you didn't, didn't want it. You didn't that. want it. No. No. You didn't want it. And I don't think I ever will. And that that's just me personally. Um, I know people who are like, no, I would want to know. Like, I want to know. And I was like, you know what? That's just not my my journey. So you met up with him later that day. And how did yeah. that go? <sighs> um, it was very, very difficult, as you can imagine. Um, we had been texting back and forth all day. Never called. He was at the office. He tried to leave early, couldn't leave early. Okay came over, all of his stuff was packed by the door. And um, I was understandably, I had toned myself down at that point. Mm-hmm. Thanks mostly to you. I don't know about um, that. I think you oh, have enough grounding skills yourself. 
I also, before he arrived, I sat myself down and I actually wrote him a letter. Um, kind of from the perspective of writing is very therapeutic to me. It is the best way for me to put my words down in a place and get them out in a way that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I wrote him a letter front and back, nothing too crazy, basically almost a breakup letter, but not quite. Cause I was going into that meeting, not knowing what I was going to do mm-hmm. because what do you do? Like, yes, I had this horrible thing just come to light, but at the end of the day, I could not just turn off my, my feelings for him. I was still very much in love with him mm-hmm. and I still wanted it. Like I wasn't ready to just say goodbye and close the door forever. And it I, turned I out that, and it turned out that one of the reasons why I asked you to get some information ahead of time is because I knew that you were not immediately, your instinctive response was not to like end the relationship. You were just gutted by it. And yeah. I knew you were going to speak to him. And I knew that there was a possibility that you could get together. And I thought, good litmus test to see if this is even salvageable, you know? Yeah. So if you already know the answers, you can meet with him and his answers coincided with what she had already told you. So he was being, you know, he was being, he was being pretty honest. You had to ask very direct questions to get the answers. I did. I did. Um, but what he did ultimately answer did match up with what she said. Yeah. Um, and to give more more context, like I would say I'm, I'm pretty du- direct, like I don't know if confrontational is the word, but I am not scared to have difficult conversations. It's called assertive. You're assertive. So not confrontate. Confrontate. Yeah, oh that sounds God. aggressive. Confrontational. Yeah. He is the complete opposite. Um, avoidant. Very much like the, the, the discomfort was palpable. Yeah. And I was like, I shouldn't have to be leading this conversation, but I was. And um, I basically was like, what do you want to say to me? Like, what do you want to say for yourself? I'm sitting here with my heart laid out on the table. He obviously apologized. He did make a point to tell me, you know, I want you to know, like, Ashton, like, this was not because of you. It was Mm -hmm. nothing that you did or didn't do. You are perfect. You've been an amazing girlfriend to me. This was not because of you. And I believed him and I do believe him. And I am so grateful that like I have been equipped throughout my life, throughout you, my own therapy, um, my own journey that I, I, I made a decision that I was going to just believe, truly believe every step throughout this journey that like, it was not about me. And I did nothing wrong to deserve being cheated on for this to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and it's true. I mean, that it's it's absolutely true. Somebody who cheats, that's a coping mechanism that mm-hmm. they chose that's reflective of what how they handle things. It's mm-hmm. not about you. You know, yeah. there's a million different ways he could have been handling the stress in his life. I do appreciate that he didn't trample on your broken heart by trying to make you the culprit or you responsible for his bad choice. Mm-hmm. You left that conversation feeling very ambivalent about the relationship and not ambivalent about where you wanted to be. You were like, you need to come get me now. From the beach house to the city, I went, scooped you up, brought you back to the beach house where there were two therapists uh, hanging out with you. 
for the next 72 hours. I mean, how fucking lucky am I? Like, seriously. Like, I mean, and I'm going to say that, like, I, I remember, you know, at the top of the show, I said the worst moments in my life involved losing people I loved. Like, I so viscerally, like, when you describe, and just full disclosure, when I was out there in the dating world, not with women, just with men, I was a cheater. Full disclosure, I was a cheater. And the the situation I'm referencing when my heart was broken was a situation where, like, I had made a decision to not do that anymore, got back with an ex, and then he learned five months or four months into a new chapter of our relationship where I had I had completely changed how I interacted with him and it was so much better. Mm-hmm. He learned four months later that I had cheated on him the night before we broke up. And uh, I remembered just how awful that was. And because of my own attachment style, which was so fucked at the time. And I have to tell you, I was... To see what a comparison, comparing and contrasting how you were versus how I was. Like you were just so much. I and I hate to phrase things in healthy versus unhealthy, but I am going to use that lens for the purpose of time here. Like your response to it was just so not, it was so appropriate to what was happening. And so to see how you were responding to that so authentically, so not armored up. It was so in proportion to what was happening. You were distraught. But I, from the moment I got you at the house here, I was not worried for your safety. I was like, wow, she is doing, she's doing okay. She's going to be okay. You actually were doing okay, yeah, but I no. know you're going to be okay. Well, and I also... What I came to the conclusion pretty early on in, in this whole process was, and I actually wrote this in the letter I wrote to him. I said, my heart is broken, but I am not. And I I realized that to be true the day of finding that out. And I was like, I, I cannot, I am not broken because he did not make up all the parts of me. And like, this is just a part of my journey, unfortunately. And I don't know where it was going to land or how it would pan out because I was very undecided in what to do. Um, I also was authentically in mourning. I was grieving. Mm-hmm. And when you're in such a, and you can speak to this more than I can, but I had never experienced this level of grief to Ugh. the point where it consumed, I mean, you saw it, it consumed every fiber of my being. And Honestly, you you said you weren't worried about me hurting myself. I actually, the only reason that I felt that I wouldn't was because I was with you and I had you and Steph. And I actually had said to him before he left, I was like, I don't know what to do now. I can't be alone mm-hmm. right now. Like I am, I am not okay. Yeah. What do you do? Do I just go turn Netflix on, order some takeout and just, I don't know, right. feel out the night? Um. And he, he, he was like, please call Darcy, please go be with her. Like, please. And I was like, okay. I mean, I was going to do that anyways. Um, But then there was like the hurdle of, and I think I want to talk about this a little bit because I think that this is, I know this is a real issue that people struggle with during a breakup, 
particularly when you've been betrayed the way you were. Now, you hadn't told anybody because you weren't yeah. sure what I'm counting myself as nobody. But like, but you hadn't told like my sister, your mother, you hadn't mm -hmm. told your mom, you hadn't told the two best friends, one of whom is my daughter now. Mm -hmm. um, like you hadn't told anybody because you didn't know what you were going to do and you didn't know how they would feel about it and you didn't want their process to contaminate your or, you know, to inform your decision. And, yeah. um, and, and it took you a hot minute. I don't think you let anybody know until Sunday. That was Friday. Mm -hmm. Yep. And also too, part of my motivation for not telling those people was to protect him as well. Exactly. Because yep. I, like I said, what if we did decide to try and work through it. Like I was so like, what do I do? I also, like I said, I still loved him. Yeah. I, he was my partner. He was my best friend. Like I still, and I was able to have empathy as well for him. Mm -hmm. because I saw that this was also coming from a place of pain from yeah. him. Yep. Like he didn't want to, like, it was very apparent that like he was not, he chose to do what he did over and over but it wasn't authentically who he wanted to be or who he is because he's never been in alignment with that person. And I, I had such a level of empathy for that, even in my state of grief, because I remember as a teenager, a child feeling the same way and doing things that don't align with my character or who I want to be, but I didn't know any different or I didn't have resources or people that could help me because I wasn't reaching out to, I, I, I just wasn't doing the work, you know? Right. And I, I mean, I, no, you were a kid. I'm sorry. You were a kid. Yeah. No, you, there's I, no work to be done. That is Okay. That, so give yourself a pass. That's um, I'm hard on you. Man. And I am definitely hard on you. And that, that you get a pass on that. You're a child. So, <sighs> and, and kids, the, how else do you figure out what your moral compass is if you don't push it a little? Right. But some people mm -hmm. never leave that, that. Yeah, for sure. Mind space because they haven't been forced to, or they right. just are avoidant and they just leave. Right. I started making a mental list in my mind of all of the people that I would need to inform about what was going on because it would take an inevitable toll on me for who knows how long. Um, I have to retell the story again and again and oh. again because when you've had a traumatic event, folks, talking about it does not alleviate the pain. It actually reactivates it in the brain. And mm -hmm. so I had empathy for you, a lot of empathy for you. I was like, when you said you didn't know if you wanted to tell anybody because you didn't know if anybody would accept him back into their life yeah. once they knew that what he had done, I, I understood that. Um, come Sunday, when you had barely eaten for three days, I left the house to work out and I said, you've got two hours to eat a meal or I'm calling my sister. And Which I enough also, to strike the fear of God in and me. I, and I also felt the need to say to you, and also it would be a good emotional stretch to let the people who love you into your life so that they can support you as well, because you're about to see a side of them that you've never seen before because you've never had a tragic event like this. I highly encourage you to let them in. And when I got back from the gym, you had told them. I did. And, um, and had eaten a meal. <laughs> yes. I had, I had nibbled. I had did the best that I could. Um, 
I did. I told them. And not only did I tell them, I called my mom. And um, that looking back at the situation, the one of the biggest lessons and takeaways that I got from this is let people show up for you. And they will in ways that you don't expect. Like you said, I was so moved and blown away by the response from my friends. From oh my, my God, can I just please tell you, I came back from the gym and you said to me, I told Danielle and Claire mm -hmm. and I looked up at you and I said, and how did that go? And your eyes welled up with tears and you said, they're coming on Friday. They bought tickets because they're in North Carolina. That's where they live. They don't live mm -hmm. here. And I was just like, oh my God, that is why. That is why. Yeah. They bought tickets immediately. Immediately. As did your mother. As did your as mother. As did my mother. Yep. I don't know what I was expecting, honestly, when I shared that with them, but I wasn't expecting that. And I, like you said, I, I got so emotional. I get emotional thinking about it now. I, I, got, I was just choking back some tears. In my, no, I was too. Thinking about that. And I was like, dude, everybody envies your relationship with these two friends. Like everybody wants a Claire and Danielle. Who doesn't <laughs> want that in their life? You know? Yeah. They, it was amazing. It, it was so amazing. Um, and I'm so grateful. And I learned lean on people that's what they're there for which is like you i just like i would allow them to i would allow myself to do it for them like of course they would do it for me and um i have been so surrounded by love and support that has only become more evident um and you always know you have support and friends and family but this really was such a pivotal moment for me to realize that mm -hmm. how important your relationships are outside of just your significant other. 100%. What we know about relationships is that they're protective from trauma. Mm -hmm. People who have traumatic events suffer far less intense trauma when they have connections with a few people. It doesn't take many people, but they're so protective. And and, and I, I literally, I was so blown away by their, they were just like duty calls. Duty calls. Literally like reporting for duty. And literally. They yep. It was amazing. And then there was the whole piece of everyone expected you to kick them to the curb immediately. Mm -hmm. And you were quite ambivalent about that, right? I was. And that was extremely hard for me. So after the immediate outpouring of support, there was then the um, after time of then me grappling with okay, what do I do next? Mm -hmm. What do what do I do, A, and B, what do I want to do? And I so struggled with the want to do part because there was one part of me that was still so absolutely terrified of having a life without him because- I can only imagine. I mean, you just can't flip off the switch like that. Or I can't, I just can't. Um, here's somebody I'd spoken to every single day for two years. Yeah. I'm now faced with finding a new living situation, a new, a new almost everything. Um, yeah. I, I had thrown away so much of my furniture. I'd thrown away my bed for him. I had done so many things in preparation for our future together because that is yeah. what I saw. Yep. And he swears and claims he was like, you know, Ashton, 
it was always you in my mind. Like I never once wanted to break up with you. I never once wanted to end things with you. Like I always pictured myself with you, which is mind boggling to me looking back at what I have factually knowing the affair and all of that. But I believe him. I believed him because to his best of his ability, that was his truth. He did want those things. He wanted his cake and to eat it too and to escape or whatever it may be. Right. So Um, we made the decision to get you a couple's therapist because you were so on the fence and you were so hurt and blindsided by it. So hurt. And he also had sworn to me, I will do whatever it takes Mm -hmm. to try to fix this. So I said, cue to couples counseling. Yes. So Steph, my wife, finds you guys, gets very lucky, and on the first try, finds an available couples therapist who is amazing. He's like Mm -hmm. a trifecta of couples therapy certifications. He's got all the things because that's what Steph's specialty is. She's a couples counselor. And so Steph really knows how to find people. And um, then how did that process go for you? That The first session was tricky because it was rehashing everything all over again with him. So we did it in person together. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything, the whole experience itself, the counseling itself was like, it was a step. There was still mm-hmm. so much to talk about, so much to go through together. And th- we had so many phone conversations, texts, like, I-, I didn't understand how to do this and he didn't either. We were right. in contact. And at the same time, I also have, you know, all of my friends, my family reaching out and checking in on me periodically, which daily. I so daily. daily, I so appreciate. Do not get me wrong. However, the longer that the time passed from the day of finding out to like, you know, days and weeks coming, I felt that behind every check-in or how are you doing or whatever, there was also this kind of implied question of, so basically, did you break up with him yet? Or yeah. it was talking you know, everyone's mind. And I get it. Like, I so get it. And I will say too, as well, that like, I always thought to myself, whenever I'm in a relationship, if someone cheats, that is the end, like black mm-hmm. and white, like that's the end. There should be no question. Right. And until it happens to you. Absolutely. Yeah. It is so not black and white and everyone is going to feel and handle it differently. And I was so torn. Um, and, it, you know, people also say, especially from your friends, like you deserve so much better. Like right. you're going to find someone great. And I, again, I appreciate the sentiment and I believe the sentiment. I knew that I deserved better. And I also knew that, yeah, there is a very high probability that there is someone better out there for me that would not do this to me and would never make me feel like this. But that still didn't make the decision easier to cut the cord with him because I was still in love with him. I was still in shock Uh and I'm grieving. Yeah. So that was difficult. Um, because I had, I almost felt like I had to tiptoe around what I said to them in terms of where we were at, me and him, because and we hadn't been seeing each other. Yeah. And can I just say that like behind the scenes, because I also want to give the perspective of the family members and the mm-hmm. loved ones who are supporting the person who got um, betrayed. I was in contact with all of them from the moment you told them. 
because I wanted them to know that I'm here for them as well. And oh, I didn't know that actually. That's you so, didn't? No, but that's so lovely. No, it I mean, it's all done for you, Ashton. No, let me just, you know, <laughs> I sound so much better than I am. It was all done for you because I knew that you needed to be in the process and needed to make your own decisions. And mm -hmm. I didn't want people to pressure you because I worried that if they pressured you to break up, you would isolate yourself from them and you needed them. So behind mm -hmm. the scenes, I was like, guys, here's the talking point. We are just here for her and we are keeping our opinions to ourselves because we don't want her to feel like she doesn't have her, our support if she chooses to try and fix this. We don't want her to be isolated with the boyfriend from everybody who loves her. And I was in contact with him. Remember? Oh, yes. I had oh, forgotten yeah. that. I, oh, my I, God. Because I had a relationship with him also, as I will <laughs> with any human being that's in your life. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, And I told him, I was like, listen... I believe in love and I believe in redemption and I believe in repair and you got to go into couples counseling and this is not going to be an easy path. And I can't promise you she'll want to repair this at the end of it, but you'll be a better person for having done it. And regardless of whether you guys stay together or you don't, it's going to be such a valuable experience for you to have a good experience with a therapist. Yeah. You know? Because so many of us have had ambivalent or shitty experiences. And he had, he yeah. had, and like he'd even expressed to me before this all came to light that he wanted to get back into therapy. Oh, and I was, well, I, yeah, I was like, listen, turned out loud a minute too soon. Mm, yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, I, I, I told him, I told him starting therapy, even if this does not work out with us, you are going to walk away from this with something that you did not before. Mm -hmm. because it's helpful. It is helpful yeah. regardless of, of the outcome. He, I now can understand a bit more why he did this. I still don't feel completely hopeful uh, or completely optimistic that a, we can get through this and b is he actually the person for me? Um, yeah. mm -hmm. So that's when I started to entertain the idea like fully that what if there is somebody else out there who you don't have to question if they love you, you don't have to ask for constant validation, and you don't have to handhold them through how to be in a mature relationship emotionally and vulnerability. How long does it take you to decide this relationship's not for me? How long were you in a holding pattern for? Oh, my God. It was like almost a full month. Um. I will say there was one specific moment where, and I just got that clarity and it just hit me like a lightning bolt. And I had been, you know, spending a lot of time journaling, really reflecting, just asking for answers within myself, the universe, the higher yeah. powers that yeah. we believe in. One night um, we were texting and um, it became apparent to me that he was not in New York and he was like, oh, I um, went home. To Jersey. Uh-huh. And I was like, interesting. Um, why you were just there? He's like, I'm just, you know, I'm just here to see to see family. And I'm like, why would you just not tell me that? My gut started to feel strange. I was getting questioned, my mind started running. So for fast forward like 45 minutes later. And when you 
the precipice of so many mental breakdowns and this horrible betrayal that feels like an eternity and i'm still feeling uneasy so i'm like hey do you mind if we facetime later and he's like yeah no problem that shouldn't be a problem hmm, okay so i decided to ignore that i said okay does eight work 8 p.m he was like yeah so we're supposed to call me at eight eight comes no call text him hey are um, we still on no I, I mean he said um give me a minute i'm at a bar Right then and there, I said, I made a decision. I'm like, this is over. Your priorities are clear and now so are mine. And it's myself. And it ended. It ended. Wow. And wow. just like I have no regrets about ending the relationship, I have no regrets about being in it because I actually want to thank him for loving me and teaching me that I'm able to love wholly fully and vulnerably because I didn't think that I was able to do that. So yeah, I want to take this moment to thank him. Yeah, honestly, um, ditto. You did so much healing in that relationship. I saw it happen in real time. And, you know, I've, uh, I've, I talked to mom about it also. And she and I both think mm -hmm. that, um, on balance, you got more, you got more, you got more healing than scar tissue. Um, yes. nobody wanted it to end that way. But um, but you you really made mindful decisions every step of the way. And for that, I'm mm -hmm. so, so proud of you. And now now you're ready to blow the dust off your dating apps, <laughs> dating app profiles. And yeah. I understand that we will be talking about that next week. Yes, uh, we will indeed. Um, that's a whole nother like conversation which is why it'll be um, a whole nother episode um right. who doesn't love hearing about someone's dating adventures and misadventures especially after a huge traumatic heartbreak um yeah yeah and i was proud there. of you you didn't you didn't immediately rebound and go right back no. on. i was super proud of you i, was I like, couldn't i wanted I couldn't. you to see i wanted you to grieve that relationship so the next guy didn't have to pick up the tab for his the the hurts he inflicted on you. Yeah. So and I wanted to be a better version of myself so I could also attract somebody who could meet me at or above my level. Thank you so much for sharing that story. You know, obviously you know you're one of my favorite people. Um and this was a very heavy topic. I hope it inspires people. I really really do. This conversation is exactly why I asked you, Ashton, to be my very first co-guest host. I thought it would be so interesting to have a co-host who's not only one of the funniest, smartest, loveliest humans that I know, but for better or worse, is partly the product of two relationship therapists. And through you, Ashton, I know a different side of me will come through. And I guess it remains to be seen whether that makes me look like the poster child for my messaging or somebody who is stumbling their way, trying to walk the way they talk. That remains to be seen. Yeah, I just absolutely love the fuck out of you. And I think that this is going to be a great opportunity for a different side of me to show. Most importantly, we are going to have fun. To that end, and almost as though this show is following your healing journey, in our next episode, we will be discussing first dates, do's and don'ts, because you've blown the dust off your dating profiles and you are officially back on the market. And I understand you're building a long list of questions to ask me, which I will answer both from the perspective of a relationship therapist 
and also from somebody who studied the data as the former global ambassador to Tinder. I will give you all the answers. So subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts so I can be there for you once a week like I am for my clients to support you, to help you learn from my own mistakes and in equal parts to entertain you. Because as you'll soon learn, and as my clients know, I have a five to one ratio of laughter to crying. But I'll only be there if you subscribe. So do it because I believe in love and I know humans can change. And I am committed to teaching you how to love better so you can live better. Ashton, will you read us out? We Need to Talk with Dr. Darcy is a Sterling Standard production. Special thanks to Amanda Cristiani and Stephanie Sterling. Our engineers are, well, us. If you like today's show, please follow us by searching We Need to Talk with Dr. Darcy Sterling wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love today's show, please give us a rating. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode filled with tons of takeaways on dating and relationships. Thank you. Thank you.